Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to DragonCast. Home of House of the Dragon. Gather your small council, send out your ravens, and call in your bannermen. I'm Hand of the King Jamie East, here to guide you through the highly anticipated return to Westeros. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Dragoncast, home of House of the Dragon. I'm your host and maester of ceremonies, Jamie East. Joining me this week for our regular roundup of hot D action are, as always, journalist and writer and the scorched remains of the Hand of the King, Chris Mandel, and this week's very, very special guest. To say we are thrilled to have him is a monumental understatement. This man is one of the stars of House of the Dragon. He was the Master of Laws, Lord of Harrenhal, and until he was recently burned to death by his youngest son, was the actual Hand of the King. Kids, eh? Who would have him? Uh, here in the slightly singed flesh is Lord Lionel Strong himself. Mr. Gavin Spokes. Gavin, how are you doing, sir? Very good. My feet are still smouldering. There's a little bit of smoke coming off. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for popping our cast cherry on Dragon Cast. Oh, thank you. Thanks for letting me pop it. Oh, it's been a, it's been an absolute treat. I remember we we spoke very briefly on the red carpet uh, when I was filming for uh, Thronecast, and it's always so tricky. And and I wanted to talk about this a bit later, really, because. Aside from, I guess, the cast that, that, that have been in the press the most, like your Matt Smiths and your Paddies and, and Reese Siffins and stuff, you generally don't know who you're speaking to. And, and, and even so much as, as we'll have seen, who we're probably going to be kind of talking about for the next three or four years, I'm not entirely sure they were even at the premiere or certainly weren't put on the, um, on the round robin of talking to press or at the, mm. uh, any of that. We got Emma and we got Emily and all the, all the gang. But in terms of the kids and grown-up Aegon and whatnot, who I think we're going to meet next week, I don't even remember seeing them on the on the call sheets. It's pretty crazy. We spoke briefly, but you know, you were pretty you were pretty humble. You didn't kind of go, "Look, guys, I'm kind of a big deal." You were you were very <laughs> you were very good. How's the experience been for you? Oh, I think I probably told you on the red carpet. It's been extraordinary. It has been. I, I, I put a little message out the other day on social media. It's been the job of a lifetime, and I've I've been so lucky. I've had an incredible career. 
And I always get to a certain job and go, what's the job of a lifetime? It doesn't get any better than this. But this one really did take the biscuit. It was brilliant in every, every way. Shooting it, the people behind the camera, in front of the camera, the scripts, being involved with so many brilliant artists was, yeah, it was a joy from start to finish, really. And it filmed half an hour from my house, so I can't, I had nothing to complain about, really. Oh, look at that. Perfect. And, <laughs> I mean, it must be, like you say, an actor's kind of dream, because not only is it a great gig, you know, it just on the face of it, it turns like, in terms of profile and all the rest of it, this is a, you, you don't think too long before saying yes. But then on top of that, your peers that you're working with are pretty incredible, and the script, you really get to act your bollocks off, don't you? Yeah, um, my first day was a small council scene, and it was this scene where we are discussing the succession in Ep 1, when Amos just died, and we're all sat around the small council table, and it was my first day, and it was Bill Patterson's first day as well. And we both sat down, and I'd never been on a set that big. That was yeah. the first thing. Just the annoy- I got the tour that morning from Ryan and Mig. They took me around the castle, and I was just like, it would have been cheaper to have bought a castle. I'm sure it would have been. <laughs> Because it's an actual castle. <laughs> yeah. And then that's, so that was overwhelming. And then I sat down at that table and there was Reese sat opposite me. Paddy, who is one of my actual heroes, yeah. sat the other side of me. And then Bill and David Horowitz and Graham McTavish. And you're like, this, okay, got to step up here. Really got to step up. And the weirdest thing is, and my wife always said to me, like, I met, when I did rehearsals for it, I said, I'm really nervous, I'm really nervous. And she said, you've got to remember, as soon as you start speaking, they do exactly the same thing that you do. And yeah. you've been doing it for 20 years. It's just that we know who they are. So you've just got to trust the process. And I kind of stuck onto that and thought, yeah, well, they're, they're just actors too. But you do still shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and what a great character to play as well. Chris, you know, we've been fans of Lionel since the beginning. Is you know, is yeah. a rare good guy, seemingly just kind of there just to just to do good. Yeah, one of the few people I felt that wasn't trying to like fuck everyone over. Like he was trying to genuinely give some good counsel and uh, he got burnt alive for his troubles. Uh <sighs> Definitely would love to have seen more. And I think House Strong seems like such an interesting house, especially because the survivor, Laris, is so schemy. I mean, Gavin, have you got, like, was there more that you filmed as a family that we haven't seen on the show that maybe got on the cutting room floor? No, we didn't film any any extra scenes. Um, I think the boys did. The boys had, uh, I think the boys had a scene in episode three. And actually, it was interesting because it was around a fire with a couple of other children from other houses. There was like a Lannister kid involved. And it really showed a bond of the two boys and how Harwin was incredibly protective over Laris. Uh, And then we didn't have many scenes together. I mean, probably helpful in Eps three to five that we don't have that many together because Matt's not that much younger than me. (laughs) So (laughs) I think if we were on screen together, you'd have all the fans going, this is just not possible. Um, (laughs) So I think that's handy. But we did a lot of discussion about us as a family and how we... um, you know, just came up with little stories about how maybe Laris's mother had died in childbirth. Did they have the same mother? It was a lot of those sort of questions because Lionel had two wives and was quite a fella before. Um, well, he went to the Citadel and got his six links, but after that, he um, he likes his ladies. Yeah, yeah. There's something quite biblical about the family because you've got one really brawny son and one it's Cain and Abel, isn't it? Yeah. Physically. Yeah, it's very, like, one is very schemy, one is very, like, physical, and, and it's interesting which one's won out yeah. in the end with, uh, with what happened in episode six. Yeah, I mean, we certainly talked about maybe somebody hadn't been given much love as a child, and was there a bitterness that had come through? But Matt is such an intelligent yes. actor. I mean, Matt, Oh, my was, God. Oh. I'm obsessed with that character. Like, I just... Yeah, 
It's a great character. Yeah, when he sidles up in any scene, I'm just like, oh shit. But it's just like, <laughs> proper, you know, if yeah. he had a moustache, he'd just be twiddling it all the time, wouldn't he? Yeah. There's a yeah. little bit of the Terry Thomas about him. Yeah, uh, but Matthew plays him so beautifully. We have to play everything so sincerely and, and honestly, otherwise it just does come across as Terry Thomas. Yeah. But the writing just leans so heavily into him being... <laughs> just an absolute you know, everybody talks about yeah. it, the little fingers etc you know he has that malevolence that's really mm. dark and underlying but matt is such a likable person yeah i think that's what brings us into him the fact that matthew is so likable that draws yeah. us into the character because if matt was horrible it would come through the camera yeah yeah true. yeah gavin you also got the honor of being like aged up 10 years in episode six i saw so what was that like you didn't have it as quite as bad as paddy considine but you did well i said paddy bloody hell <laughs> i remember seeing him for when, when we did uh the first time we filmed a scene together in ep6 i was like Fucking hell, mate! You, you look fucking awful. <laughs> and he's like, "You can talk. Where's your hair gone?" <laughs> so, like you say about aging me up, I was like, actually, I was I was aged down for all the other stuff. Oh, um, amazing! Right. So I was given a wig. I had a dark. My beard was made darker, and uh, they gave me some more eyebrows. And all they did for episode six was whip the hair off and put some grey in. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Now, obviously, Lord Lord Strong is is gone. Uh, I mean, as far as we know, right? Cool, I mean, that's brutal, Jamie. I mean, just cut to it. It's yeah, gone. I mean, he's he's gone. Yeah, he's on, out. Gab. He's done. Uh, move on. Um, <laughs> do you think? I mean, Viserys is going to miss him, right? You know, he was he was a genuinely good hand of the king, and if episode, you know. We'll move on to to episode seven in a second, but I'm going to call it. It was called Driftmark, but I'm going to call it True Colors because mm. it was just like seemed like everybody in there, all of a sudden, just just laid their cards on the table, yeah. and the True Colors were revealed for every character, including Otto, and probably more than anyone. He really kind of like pulled the pulled the kind of cloak back and and let us see exactly what he'd been thinking. Viserys is in a whole lot of trouble now that now that Lionel's gone, isn't he? Yeah, and I think. During that whole journey up until this point, he'd always been suspicious of Otto, but because Viserys is a very loyal man as well and wants to believe the best of people, hence why he keeps giving Damon so many chances. Yeah. You know, Viserys' heart is too good to be a king. You know, he's he's an honourable man as well. So the two of them, like that scene with their, the two grandfathers watching their, their grandchildren play, it's heartbreaking to just see that who is going to look out for him in the future? Who is yeah. going to really give a shit? And is it just Rhaenyra? Is Rhaenyra going to be the only one that fights for him because he's his brother? They just see him as somebody going to the grave, I think. Yeah, that, that scene has become one of the biggest House of Dragon memes. I'm sure you saw. What's you must that? Have the scene with you and, you and Paddy looking over at the, at the kids playing just before, <laughs> just before Kristen... Kristen <laughs> you really? I didn't yeah, know yeah it's, become, it's become a massive meme where there's like, uh, isn't it wonderful seeing uh, my, my grandchildren playing? And you went, our grandchildren, sire. And he's like, what? <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's become an actual meme. So congratulations on that. I've become a meme. I've made it. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, oh, brilliant. What do you make of we, we touched upon Laris. What do you make of him? What what's his ultimate goal? He's obviously got a lot of baggage, you know, his his disability, his kind of like clearly not been the favoured son in the in 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 the strong household for, for many, many years. But he takes revenge onto a whole new level, but now he's mm. kind of got that revenge. What do you think is what's his plan? I have 
insider sort of knowledge on that. Oh, don't, so well, don't like no spoilers, yeah. Exactly. Okay. It's Fine. not, uh, let's just say it's not an exact one that's say, written in the book or anything like that. I think it's things that I've talked about with Matthew in the past. And uh, actually, I like the ambivalence of what his what is his motive. I think yeah. that's what makes him even more exciting. You know, I've, I've also loved in the series how they've done that brilliant thing of uh, every now and then not letting us see the dragon and just letting us hear the dragon. You know, the whole thing is never seeing Jaws. And when you see Jaws, it's not scary anymore. Yeah. But I think with Laris, the more he's kind of spoken about, and we don't know what that motive is, the more dangerous and the more scary he is. And, and like, I think you guys mentioned it last week. Well, once he's done his family in, there's nowhere else to go, is there? There's nothing else to... Yeah. I think you said it, Chris. Like, what do the stakes become now? Mm. Yeah. I think also with the time jump, it's just... Impl- he's just operating in the shadows. And I just kind of think whenever something goes down like i just assume he's involved in some way because his whole thing is actually hiding in plain yeah. sight and when he appeared on the boat in this episode i was like he just sort of just like sort of phantom of the opera just sort of drifted yeah. into the shot and i was like oh yeah. god what's it's, he planning it suddenly like, was like that wasn't it <laughs> yeah it's just yeah. <laughs> the deliverer of disaster yeah, it's just kind of like, yeah. i love it i love it it's just good to have an outright schemer yeah. who isn't you know the targaryens i get what's in it for them but for him it's like and it's, it's like Littlefinger. It's like chaos is where you can sort of climb the yeah. ladder. And he's fucking loves chaos. He really does. He likes he really getting does. down in the dirty, doesn't he? Whereas Otto, the scheming is, is cultural, uh, political. Yeah. On, on yeah. The, on the, and it's very yeah. opaque. We can see that motive. Uh, but with, with Laris, it's um, complicated. Laris gets shit done. That's his, that should be his even, house motto. Even when you half ask him, you kind of mention vaguely that the, te- that the kitchen needs tiling. You come back that day, the kitchen's been tiled. It's like, I didn't want the kitchen. Yeah. I just said the kitchen tiles were looking tired. Oh, I thought you wanted the whole kitchen tiling. Now, uh, before we get stuck into episode seven, here is your weekly reminder. If you're enjoying the podcast, as many thousands of you seem to be, uh, do us a favour. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share it with your mates who might be interested. It really does make a difference, and one day the gods will reward you for it. Right, let's get on with episode seven. So... An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind, but in Westeros, an eye for the world's largest dragon is a pretty sweet deal. Chris, uh, what's the what's, what a, what appendage would you give up for for a dragon? <laughs> I mean, this is the easiest question you've ever asked me because my eyesight is already appalling, yeah. and I have to spend so much money on glasses because they're, I have to get such strong lenses. I would happily get an eye taken out, and that seems like a good trade off for me. It'd be like a like a seeing eye dragon, essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. for yeah. me. What do we think of the episode? Uh, Gavin, uh, episode seven, Driftmark, started off with, like, I'm going to say the best wake ever. Yeah. There is so much to unpack out of that episode. I think it's my favourite, but I think, like, you know, you guys are probably going to go on to say, it does feel like it's getting better each week. Mm. And there was so much going on at that wake, the amount of looks. There was hardly <laughs> any dialogue in it. Was there? Yeah. There were so many people mm. just looking over and then them looking at that person thinking, oh, Christ, he's here. I mean, Matt Smith, here. you know, pound per word, Matt Smith is on a right cushy deal, I tell you that. I think he's probably said, yeah. he must have said 50 words yeah. in the first seven episodes of, of House I, of the Dragon. I think you're probably right. I mean, to be fair to him, a lot of it is in Valyrian. That's true. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, so, that yeah. poor fuckers, that might be the that's trade-off. the trade-off. There was a very long, you know, that yeah. Rainier uh, Damon conversation in, in High Valyrian was 
Yeah, what was, was that in? Like it was long three, and a single. Uh, well, that one today as well when they were oh, just looking over yeah. the, when they were just kind of having a natter. There was that, that was a. It seemed like a single shot as well. That they must have there must mm. have been like phonetic Valerian written on the backs of like Marlon Brando style, kind of on the backs of yeah. rocks. <laughs> it's, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I so, couldn't so do that for Wake, I thought I thought it was beautiful. The the score, uh, you know, big shout out to the the, the score of the funeral was just like mm. amazing. I loved that shot of the of the stone tombs because i was like well that's not going to float that's going to sink and ah i've spotted a continuity area i bet there's no oh no shit there's loads of there's loads of them down there that yeah. was really nice when it yeah. sunk down and you just thought you just saw all the remnants of of, of all of them i guess it was amazing yeah. yeah so much detail and so much drama in, in that first 15 20 minutes it kind of set it up very quickly without any dialogue I yeah. thought it was beautiful, especially when I think we might come onto this later. But the, how the kids, the cousins, went up to each other, and there was no yeah. dialogue, and it was just a hand came out, mm. and it's just it can be so beautifully tender as well. This story, which is always yeah. a shock when you go into the Thrones world, you know, if you don't have that human love, you care far less about those characters, and they're so mm. good at putting that detail in. It was that handhold and the 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 interaction in the wake scene that kind of struck me that they've done it again you know and as much as like game of thrones previously with season one when when nedard got killed in episode nine and we had the rug pulled from under our feet and it was like holy shit this is not no one's safe this is not this this is not what we thought it was i think they've pretty much done that in this episode again and pulled the rug from under our feet because we've spent seven hours watching and getting to know all of these characters and before we came in we thought it was going to be all about viserys and damon and and Rhaenyra then we're watching it, it's like oh no hang on a sec it's all about Rhaenyra and Alicent and then we're watching it, it's like oh holy shit no it's not even we're a generation you know this is what the time jumps have been all about is to get us to the real story exactly. which is about Aegon and all the shitty little kids yeah. they're gonna grow this is where like our next four or five years is going to be spent with these lots and actually Rhaenyra and Alicent are going to be the kind of the, the sage wise conniving cows at the top of the tree yeah. kind of like pulling the strings and that to me was just like a bit of a revelation it's like they've bloody done it again what do you think chris yeah i think this is the episode that really i it, it all started to make sense to me in terms of like this is actually a show about the children and everything we've seen so far is a prologue mm. to what informs them as adults because what happened this episode was we saw that Alison and Rhaenyra's soured relationship has actually bled into the next generation and they've inherited that sort of trauma and that um, antagonism towards each other. And that is what the show is going to be about. And we, we have to have, we, we couldn't have started with the kids. We couldn't have even started with them as adults. We've had to see it sour slowly and, and sort of decay. And so I thought it was really clever. I also thought what was really clever, speaking to the score, the direction, you know, Lena, as an adult, has not actually interacted with most of the cast. And yet you did not feel an absence of grief or you did not feel like the effects of her death were not felt. It reverberated across everyone. It's really affected House Valarian's relationship with the royal family. It's affected all the children, obviously, because Rhaenyra's kids think that their father is uh, Lenor and he kind of isn't. And there, there was just so much. It's, there's just so much at stake in this episode with this funeral what does it mean who's mourning 
who isn't. They can't resist throwing shade, can they? Even in a eulogy. It's like they were still kind of like, well, they were true Valerian. They were blood was thick and 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 that's what made Damon yeah. kind of laugh out loud. It's like, guys, see, the body's not even cold yet. We don't need to start kind of the body's not even them. wet yet. Yeah, it's not even <laughs> wet yet. The, we can't, we can't, we don't need to start kind of twisting the knife on poor Rhaenyra. The line and, and as we you know, as we mentioned earlier on, the line in the the line was drawn. There was that great shot from Miguel towards the end and and after the the accumulation, the, the the climactic scene between Rainier and Alison, and is it time to choose a side now? And it probably is. I think you know, are are either of you emotionally leaning towards green or black? And also, can we just say, really annoying that it's green and black because now all I think of is organic chocolate. I think we mentioned that last week. It's <laughs> no, just blacks and greens were right there. That would have been so much less associated with. Fair trade chocolate well, or whatever. Fair it is. trade chocolate <laughs> bought out by Cadbury's. Yeah. Oh. Well, they had their heads turned. <laughs> ah. I haven't seen it in shops for a while. I have yeah. to say, it's all about Tony's Tony's chocolate. Oh, I'd be furious it? about anyway. Tony's chocolate. Yeah. Uh, where are you leading, Gavin? Where where do where do your emotions lead? I mean, and I guess like you know, affection for for Lionel. You, you've got to be you've got to be on Rhaenyra's side. That's where your bloodline is. Yeah, I think uh, if Lionel was still about, his allegiances would stay with the Targaryens. It would stay with Rhaenyra. They're his grandchildren fundamentally. Yeah. So they're his blood. Did he know that? Do you think? Oh Christ! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thousand <laughs> percent. First one popped out. Look over at his son. Mate, fuck have yeah. you been up to boy i thought you were playing yeah. scrabble yeah yeah exactly <laughs> me and lionel just i love what you've done with the with this little exactly. church here your grace yeah um but uh with that massive meccano set uh yeah. no i think like lionel's very clear we know where he would be gavin i'm quite i just like sitting in the middle now i'm i just yeah. want to watch the fireworks yeah, yeah, yeah. i suppose i would lean more towards targaryens and Corliss and what actually who I was really rooting for by the end of the episode was Renice. Right. You know, watching what she thinks is mm. both of her children gone. Yeah. Her She's had a rough gone. old series so far. And she. And yeah. her sitting there and saying, This is your this is you driving for this. It's not me for the throne. It's you. You bloody men. You know, yeah. you're just, you're, you're dicks, all of you. But that's been their, I mean, I, I do worry about their relationship now. First, when I interviewed, when I interviewed them before, before, I was kind of like, you guys look super strong, like a sexy couple, still very much in love, kind of this. Mm. But actually now it's kind of like, there's a real harboured resentment there about that, about, the, about, about Corliss clinging on to this fantastical idea of 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 something that that ended 30 years ago chris Mm. part of me thinks that they're going to part ways as well yeah i mean i think for callers i think the pursuit of writing this wrong is going to be what doesn't it because rainis has made peace with it like i was overlooked and i'm I'm okay with that and he's going they've married both their children to targaryens and to their mind at least ended with both of them dying and i think that's a really really tough thing to swallow and then you know Rhaenyra's children everyone knows are strongs I mean they're bastards but their their father was a strong so they've even they've (laughs) sat right here don't forget (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I mean it just feels like they've they've hedged their bets and they've lost and they haven't even got I mean what's interesting about you asked who who's who's on what side for me it's got to be the blacks it's got to be Rhaenyra because that's what the king wanted and Alison is the one that I think is lashing out and is the one that is the one that is hot headed, that is trying to, she was the one that when her son lost an eye said, 
I think the only safe thing to do for me is to cut out another child's <laughs> yeah, eye. Yeah. That's the, that seems to me like the logical thing. And everyone was like, that is not the, it's you not know, logical. just yeah, yeah. slap him around a bit. Even for thrones, this is, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she was like, well, this is obviously the only way we're going to make her. It's like, you can't. So I think, you know, I'm definitely Team Rhaenyra. But I also think what was interesting this episode was what Corliss said. It doesn't matter, essentially, if the boys are not, of our blood. That's a great line. We, yeah. we are the ones that will decide what they are. They we have our name yeah. and that's all that matters. And I think he's a guy that has sailed around all the seas and he comes back with all these stories and he is a, a bit of a mythology, a bit of a myth maker. You know, he can decide what happened when he was at sea. Yeah. He won't tell people about the time like he got the shits from eating some seafood. Yeah, yeah. He will tell people about conquering and all these amazing treasures and you look at that castle they live in and it just looks like the sort of tat you'd buy in TK Maxx, you know, these big seashells. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's like, no, no, I got this from a pirate and I won it and I killed, you know. So I think it's really interesting. He's like, these boys are our blood and we will decide whether they are or not. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We don't get the DNA test out yeah. here. So I thought it was really interesting, I think. But I think this this pursuit of that is going to yeah. be his undoing. Yeah, he, he had two of the best lines in the whole episode in that, just in that scene. He said, what is this brief mortal life if not the pursuit of legacy? And that, you know, he coined that phrase that you mentioned there, Chris, which was, history does not remember blood. It remembers names. Yeah, oh. it's no mistake yeah. that they use those two lines for the first proper trailer. I think it was the first two lines in the first trailer. Ah. That's true. So in, in the teaser true. trailer, it was Matt walking through and he said, um, five blood i can't remember matt's line but in the Good in the knowledge. official trailer that came out a few months later it was those lines i remember that the, yeah yeah amazing Good, good knowledge. Work. Quite Shakespearean, I thought. It was very, yeah. very theatrical. Yeah. And then it didn't take long for um, for Damon to get the horn again. You know, <laughs> a quick, quick stroll along the beach. The lighting, the, the lighting was great. I couldn't. What do we think? It was it dawn or dusk? I couldn't. I could not work out whether we were like early in the morning or just before, just before dark. I think probably early in the morning. I'm kind of thinking, but it was like. Coldplay yellow uh, video, you know, where, where Chris Martin's like wandering along the beach and it's that, that blue hue was, was, yeah. was amazing. Presumably a filter because uh, the photos that we saw of that were like broad daylight yeah. leaked things. So I love the kind of um, colorist. What do you call it? The grader, the, the grading. Oh. The grading on that was just was just really beautiful. Yeah, agreed. But um, again, I thought the speech from Rhaenyra there was was beautiful. It was kind of like, it was, it was the most kind of honest, I think we'd heard her be. She seems to just really expose herself emotionally to Damon. You know, that there is undoubtedly a connection there and actually incest aside, I thought that I think their relationship's actually quite beautiful. I think it's really nice. It was a beautifully written scene. You're right. It, it felt, um, Elizabethan there was a touch of the crown about it it had real it wasn't as robust in terms of its vocabulary it wasn't quite as it felt more delicate than yeah. a lot of her dialogue has been before and I think that was one of the first scenes they actually shot on the whole series and I, I could be wrong on that but um I thought it was beautifully played it was really nice the um there was you know Rainier blaming Damon for abandoning her you know and he was just like you were a child and she was you know it was it was just really nice and i think maybe maybe that was damon's first time he'd realized that actually how much how much rainera cared for him yeah it was great i thought it was amazing also given emma darcy and matt smith haven't been together on the show and when they were reunited at that funeral it felt like a reunion yeah. it felt like those characters reconnecting and i think that speaks to 
casting. I think it speaks to the way that relationship's built over the first episode prior to this. But I thought it was phenomenal. And I think the reason we're rooting for this uncle and niece <laughs> is because the, 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 they feel like equals. They feel like they have been so lonely in these sham or political marriages that they, they see each other and they're like, no, no, we, we are the best match. Like, come on. And I thought, yeah, they're so convincing that they make you root for incest, which is it's incredible. So weird, isn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, let's not count. Let's not, you know, let's, we don't all. <laughs> James, James, let's not be too let's crazy. Not be too <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I've got a cousin. Um, <laughs> Was it Stephen Fry once said, he said, I'll try anything once apart from Morris dancing and incest. So. <laughs> and I bet he's tried Morris dancing. Yeah, I was going. I'm looking for the bells in the back of your yeah, room and the it. hankies and the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> but as we, you know, as I said, like True Colors kind of came to the fore, and so there were two speeches, there were two kind of discussions with with Rainier and Damon. There was that quite gentle, romantic one. And then there was the one later on as they were watching the dragon and the ship leave Driftmark where they egged each other on into this, into not only the, the, the kind of twist or, or as we were led to believe, the murder of Lainor, but then the realisation that of what, of what a force of nature the pair of them would be and actually deciding there and then to rule through fear and make people fear what they do. Let them think, let them assume that that's what they've done because that is how they will win is by fear and people being scared shitless of them. I thought was, was really good. And, and we saw a, we saw a fresh side of Rhaenyra then, didn't we? Yeah. It's so interesting about all of these characters. So the, the amount of gray that they throw up in them, and that's, it goes back to George and the books, really. I mean, each of those characters, I think everybody on those pages is, is so gray and not black and white. And it, mm. I mean, you probably say this every single dra- um, dragon cast, but yeah, they never do what you kind of expect them to do. No, they really don't. And that's what, and that's what makes watching it such a joy. When anyone can go any way, you know, we would have been equally unsurprised if, if Rainier had become, had not done that and had decided to stick with Lainor and, and, and that, that her and Damon had kind of were ships that again passed in the night. We would have, we would have been unsurprised at that. So, that, and I guess that's testament to, to that character writing, mm. really. Let's talk about my favourite scene, almost certainly in this episode, but but unda- like we wanted dragons and we've been wondering when we were going to get the dragon scene. And I was expecting it to be a battle, which I'm sure we'll get at some point this season. But actually seeing Amon kind of climb up on, 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 on that beach and stand like tiny little Amon next to huge Vagar. And it was just electric. It was just phenomenal the sheer we finally saw i think what it i felt for the first time what it must like what it must be like to stand next to a dragon do you know what i mean it was just incredible yeah and they've really done that on this series Uh, getting to know these dragons like they're the family pet has been far more interesting than i think i ever found them in previous incarnations of dragons well you never saw anyone get on one did you they just appeared on you know and i'm sure budget and 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 technology wasn't wasn't what it was 10 years ago but all those questions that we you know like chris you've mentioned it's like well where do they sleep where do dragons shit what you know and and all of that kind of stuff you know we saw this it does i think that the illusion would be 
completely ruined if you did see a dragon take a dump. And I think it's it would kill the... Kill the vibe. <laughs> but th- we've talked about this before. How does it work? How do you claim a dragon? And I think what we saw in this episode was sheer force of will is one way. Um, being a Targaryen helps. And little Aemon really just went out there and he he took his shot. So Lena's daughters, Raina and Baylor thought they would one of them would inherit their mother's dragon and this is one of those things where it's like you can't sit and wait for stuff to happen you have to take what's yours yeah. that's what Alison's taught her kids Eamon takes this dragon I mean the thing that blew my mind was yet again Westeros is so advanced in many ways but they haven't thought of like an attachment to sort of hook you onto the thing because the seatbelt they were just like tons of ropes, like really willy nilly, just kind of yeah. like, it was a bit, yeah, like a kid learning his shoelaces. It was just a mess. It was like some sort of knot, some sort of like harness. I, Cause at one point he's just hanging off the thing. He's literally hanging off when it flies up. And I thought, guys, you've almost invented cesareans. Like you're so close to le- just inventing the seatbelt. Just please. So, some sort of lumbar support. Anyway. I thought that whole thing was amazing. I mean, this is, this is like the biggest dragon, isn't it? This is one yeah. of the oldest dragons I saw online because a lot of fans share like scales models of the dragons and Vagar is like twice as big as right, Matt Smith's okay. dragon, Seraxes. This is like yeah, yeah, yeah. the big kahuna. And I think Aemond claiming him and having them on team green, that is a huge, yeah. huge loss. Yeah. Um, but it was just amazing watching him sort of just smashing into bits yeah. of the castle. But when it, when it, the just... first, the first climb as well, where you saw actually how high up, it, you know, he was yeah. hanging on. It was, oh, it was, it was fantastic. I love it. It was electric, yeah. wasn't it? I don't, I, I wouldn't want to give any comparisons. It's like the first time when you see the starship in Star Wars, the first yeah, time the, in the that Imperial first starship shot, goes the overhead. enormity. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the first time I've actually genuinely felt that they were really real. Yeah. I shouldn't say that, but mm. in the other series, you're like, oh, I'm watching a dragon. But now I'm beginning to care about the yeah. dragons immensely. Well, Miguel talks about having uh, giving each of them a different animal kind of personality. One's like a cow. Another one's like a, a wolf. Another one's like, a, I think, uh, mm. something or other. He, they very specifically sat down with the designers and gave each of them a, a very different personality. I think it actually... It really, yeah. You can see that with um, the Matt Smith's dragon is sort of way more serpentine. Yes. It has that yeah, incredible Cyrex, sort of yeah, yeah. long neck. Yeah, yeah, Cyrex, yeah. It's slightly more snaky, isn't he? Longer. Yeah. yeah, and those sort of little hind wings. It's it's really interesting, and I think you have to do that when you've got so many of them. So yeah, I thought it was really really stunning, and it's just amped up the tension. You know, they've stole one side of the family has stolen yeah. a dragon from the other side. That's just any good. And why i think this episode in particular that moment was so important was it's similar to how how in episode one of, of game of thrones that the seeds were planted for for things that just continued for for the next decade i think that act uh that Amon did is what is what is going to is what is going to bear harbor some of the biggest grudges and and cause some of the friction that's going to last for generations i think because you know we saw the immediate aftermath was which was a pretty kick-ass fight uh between a whole bunch of kids like they did not fuck about there were broken noses there were rocks in the heads and then of course amazing kind of like slash of the eye can i ask you gavin what is the fake blood made out of on house of the dragon because it seems very gloopy and lovely i couldn't tell you I could find out. Is it sweet? 
Did you did you ever come across it? Were you did you get bloody? No, I saw a load of people with it on. Um, I never really went over and licked their face to be honest. Um, <laughs> COVID, COVID shoot, waste COVID opportunity. Shoot. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think. No, I I, I, sh- I think sugar is involved, yeah. but I could be wrong. But they, the the use of blood, like you know, it, they they do it so well, like dripping through the, the 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 kind of fingers on the on the hands. It was absolutely fantastic. The hair and makeup team are exceptional. And they're all brilliant people. Oh, good. Connor, producer Connor is saying um, it's corn syrup usually. So it is, yeah. Like, that, would, that would do it. Edible not. and probably quite delicious. I wonder how he knows that. Who's he been stabbing? Yeah, Connor, how do you know that? Yeah, you've been faking some injuries for insurance claims. Uh, he has secrets, he says. And uh, <laughs> um, But that scene... You know, that moment of Amon losing his eye, I think, is going to be the catalyst for everything moving forward because it, it, it opened not only his eye socket, but a whole can of worms as well, didn't it? Because it it, it led to just that incredible scene in, 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 where was it? In the throne room? In just some... In the, yeah, in the throne, throne room, room, I think. Which, I mean, it could have been an episode in itself. It felt just brilliant it was just like yeah. so, so good. and the great thing about one of those physical uh, impairments is that that it will always be a visual reminder as a torch to build constantly always be yeah. there to be shown look this is this is why we're doing yeah. it this it's is, the hand it's jamie lannister's it's hand face. it's it's all of those things isn't it yes. yeah. Mm, yeah yeah absolutely we'll talk more about this episode right after a word from our sponsors Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Welcome back to Dragoncast with me, Jamie East. I'm here with Chris Mandel and Lord Lionel Strong himself, uh, Mr. Gavin Spokes. So that scene, let's 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 go into that scene, which you know, which was 
could have been either it's either the making or the or the downfall of Alison Hightower. What do we what do we think? She just completely lost it. My question is: Is Viserys mad, or is he just in denial? What because because as as his son, as Aegon pointed out, it's just like everyone knows. Look at them, you know. And it's just kind of like, and we're all like, yeah, you know. It's like, why are you the only guy that won't say it out loud? Is it because of treachery? Is it because of treason? Is it because of the of the calamitous effect that that would have on on everything that he's he holds dear and is set in stone? Or is he genuinely just going a bit mad and can't see it? What do you think, Gavin? Well, do you want an answer that I've kind of discussed with people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be be open. I mean, as long as there's no spoilers, yeah. I feel like, and I wouldn't want to speak on Paddy's behalf, but I, I have vague recollections of discussing with him that if he lets this come out, then it's all like, then everything goes to yeah. shit. So it was kind of the former thing you were saying is like, I'm trying to keep everything together. That's what he's doing the whole series, just trying to keep everything together. You know, one of his line, one of his last lines in that scene: "We are a family." You know, we we have to stay together because he can just see what's coming, mm. and he knows he did. I think personally. He clearly knows it's not insanity, yeah. but he's had to make himself believe it. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. It's got, because otherwise it's sort of game over. And what would yeah. happen, just out of interest? Rhaenyra would presumably still be the heir, but then she'd almost certainly just get killed by someone. She'd, I mean, he, he kind of presumes that Alison would be, would, would just do it, wouldn't he? I think like Damon would probably have a better claim to the throne over Alison's first son, I think. And he doesn't, he definitely no. doesn't want that. I mean, yeah, I think I, I agree with Gavin. I think Viserys has ruled during a fairly quiet, peaceful period, and he's like damned if he's going to let everything go to shit this close. To, you know, he's clearly like not long for this world. He's obviously just trying to yeah. hold on as long as he can and prevent them from from turning on each other. But it's such a knotty conundrum because he knows that having a female heir has never happened before and that the people might not like it. But he said earlier, several episodes ago, he said, I never thought I would marry again. I never thought I would have a male heir. So he's made that decision and has has doubled down on that decision, kind of out of love for his daughter, I suppose. But it's clear with everything that's going on. I mean, this big fight, Alicent was going for it. And I really thought watching it, she's going to kill one of Rhaenyra's kids. That's the, that's mm. what's going to happen. And I think when you see how feral everyone is getting, you think, God, once Viserys is not around, this is going to get yeah, really yeah, yeah. bad. It was only Viserys threatening. He said, if anyone speaks of this again, I will cut out their tongues. And he looked at Alicent when he said it, like as if he would do that to his yeah. own wife if his back was against the wall. Can I throw in something in there as well in that scene, which I found really exciting, was the tension between Sir Harold Westerling and Sir Kristen Cole, yes. between Graham and, and Fab. Yeah. I there mean, was that little look. Those tensions. And that, what did, what did yeah, you make of that look? Because, you know, there was, the, there was the moment where Alison demanded that Kristen take uh, take one of the eyes of, of uh, Rhaenyra's children. And Kristen quite rightly said, uh, I'm, I'm your protector. I'm not your kind of like you know your gun for hire and he got given a little look didn't he what do you think that look was was it was he saying that was the right call or you twat you should have done that well i would just say that yeah i think it's really interesting they're, they're king's guards right they're the king's guards they're the sworn protectors they had a bad, they had a bad episode they, they were bad they, <laughs> they, it's yeah. like where's the line right because also like Alison is not not the root. She's yeah. not the king. She's not the queen. She is the queen yeah, yeah. regent, right? Queen she's consort. Yeah, king. that's different. Come on, queen we should consort, know that yeah. after the past. So it's weeks. like bloody hell, Chris. 
Oh, has anything been going on with our royal family? I haven't noticed. I've been on holiday. <laughs> it's interesting where, where Kristen Cole's loyalties lie, and I think we saw for the first time that he's not just uh, an no. attack dog, is he? He's got. So, so what, what did you make of that look then between between the two Kingsguards, uh, Gavin? Was it was it a look of uh, approval, or actually that was a bad call? I don't think I can speak much more on oh, this because okay. this there would be spoilers. Ah, okay, but, fine. Uh, I think the the look of just knowing that there is issue and and conflict and whether it's disagreement or approval, I think there is there's too much to be. Uh, they don't. There's no like you say. There's no shots in this ever wasted. No. So the fact that those two were highlighted at that point is a reflection of like, okay, well, where the hell did the Kingsguard's allegiance is going to fall in? Yes, yeah. because the Kingsguard mm. is. Which suggests that at some point defend. there is going to be there's going to be a standoff and some and decisions are going to have to be made. One would assume. Because you don't need to say anything more. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We saw in Game of Thrones that they, they, they were the gold cloaks ended up being loyal to Littlefinger, and they betrayed yeah. Ned, didn't yeah. they? So there's always someone paying someone, and I think what is probably not clear at this point is who at the core is has got greatest way over them. My my feeling would be that Otto is probably the one who is giving them more money or like feeding them. I don't know who Master of Coin is in House of the Dragon. That was obviously Littlefinger in Game it's, of Thrones. It's um, but- Beesbury. Okay. So Bill Patterson. Right. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it'd be interesting. It, that's kind of where you follow the money and you might find out who is loyal okay. to who. We'll come on to, we'll come on, we'll come on to Otto in a second. But, you know, let's just talk about Alicent for a minute because she really, like I say, she took a shot. She in in the in the mm. best slash worst possible way. It doesn't feel like there's you know there's no going back between her and Rhaenyra now. Rhaenyra, you know, and I think Rhaenyra was happy that that it had happened. She whispered in her ear, and uh, you know now they see you as you are, which was just like, and that's when Alison was just like, oh shit. <laughs> it was a real kind yeah. of pulling of it was Scooby Doo pulling the mask off, wasn't it? At the, at the end, it was yeah. just like, ah, there's your real Alicent, and you know. And if it hadn't been for Amon saying, "Do not mourn me, mother," it was a fair exchange. I lost an eye, but gained a dragon, which was a great line as well. Then it felt like there was he kind of saved her from that. But she's fu- feels like she's really fucked it with Viserys. You know, like you said, Gavin. There was a you know he was just like he he when he when he questioned Aegon and Amon about about the the origin of the of the um the rumor you know he realized that it had come from alicent and that she'd been feeding her children with this treacherously awful lie so he's she's almost out of the will and not only that but she's now made herself a sworn and very vocal enemy of the of the of the, of the heir apparent it was interesting when he went over to um because aemon threw Egon under the bus and said it was it was in yeah. He told yeah. me. And he was like, what the fuck? But that's classic. That's classic brotherly. That's, that's a classic <laughs> Isn't brotherly it? tactic. Yeah. The amount of times my but brothers have done int- that to me. Yeah. Yes, quite. Well, I don't know, but I assume because we've all got <laughs> yeah, brothers that shit. do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but when he went out, when Viserys went over to him and said, look, you know, who, who's told you this? And I was like, dad, we all know it. Yeah. And him standing up to his father as the king, is that the first time we see him turning into that, that conversations he's had with his mum when he was caught wanking off at the door? Yeah. When she says you need you you you're going to be the king, we're preparing you to be the yeah. king. And is that the first time he's gone? Look, if I am going to be the king, I need to fucking stand up to the present king. Yeah. So that was a nice little exchange yeah. as well. Again, it's these little steps they add in. It's just such clever writing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. This is going to be the longest episode ever, and and I'm breaking my rule of a of a podcast episode being an, over an hour long. And I um, but I make no apologies because there's so much to get in. We saw an amazing wedding. 
you know, Damon and Rhaenyra got married and actually it felt like a wedding that was full of love and amazing dip dyed cloaks. Uh, just a big shout out to the costumers <laughs> there. That was a really kind of visually striking kind of uh, wedding. But I genuinely felt pleased for them. They felt like they deserved and wanted to be together, which you don't often see. Yeah, I thought it was it was beautiful, actually. And I think that, I mean, the ritualistic blood mm blood on blood thing it was really gruesome um but it feels like they're they're both entering a bit of a new phase and i think for rainiera she's been quite passive since we like last episode it's all been very like oh i don't know what to do and she's now gone no do you know what the dragon's woken up i'm gonna be weird i'm gonna be a bit of a freak i'm gonna scare people i'm gonna marry my uncle and like People are going to talk about me and that's a good thing. I can go and scare them shitless. And I thought it was really, really interesting that they're kind of like doubling down. And I thought, yeah, I thought it was beautiful. And all they just seem like such a good match in a lot of ways. So what I think will be interesting is whether they whether they have children. Like. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, looking at the cast list, I'm not entirely sure they do, but you, who knows? I hope there's some, you know, because sometimes there's characters, like we've had like Bela and Raina and Lena. I want like, you know, every now and then you get like, yeah, like a sort of Jason yeah, yeah. or like, yeah. you know, I want I want them to have like, I want Chris. Chris would yeah. be nice. Nice, easy name. Another um, Jamie. Another yeah. Jamie. Yeah. Uh, Jamie would be good. But not, yeah. not another Huey, um, Dewey and Louie please. Yeah. Bob. Connor says Bob. Um, Bob Targaryen. <laughs> Bob Targaryen. That's great. Isn't it? Yeah. It's just like, oh, mate, I've heard you got yes. you need some plumbing doing. I'm Bob Targaryen, mate. Yeah. Five stars yeah. on rated people. Yeah. Um, but that, <laughs> soldering's excellent. <laughs> soldering's excellent. That, yeah. Dracarys. Yeah, yeah. like, look, look at the seam on that, mate. Fuck it out. Yeah. We bring out the baby dragons for the soldering. <laughs> um, yeah. But that, that, that ceremony was edited in in a signature Game of Thrones style where there were three things happening at once. There were, we saw we saw the wedding, which was which was the the accumulation of of this conversation that was going on between uh, Damon and Rhaenyra, where they were saying one thing but meaning another. And then we saw the event of of Lainor's apparent murder at the hand of his of his of his lover and the the, the anguish and trauma that the Valarians uh, suffered as a cause of that it was a beautifully pulled together uh, kind of tr- trio montage thing where where as it just slowly unfurled itself to you and 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 actually I still didn't until uh, Lainor got on the boat with his uh, with with his buzz cut Still had no idea that, that he was still alive. I, th- I thought, my God, that that boyfriend really is a fucking prick. <laughs> yeah, I thought we stood behind Carl. We liked Carl yeah. last week, and then I thought, oh my God, he's just like killed him yeah. for no reason. I thought it was really good that they showed us them getting on the boat because I, I could see a, situ- a situation where they didn't show that, but I'm really glad they did because when I watched it, I rewatched that like a couple of times because I was like, wait. Damon's convinced Carl to kill Lena, and then it, and then you realise, oh no, they've done what actually what Kristen wanted Rhaenyra yeah. to do, which is to abandon their titles and just run yeah. away. And she rejected that. Lena's kind of gone. Do you know what? We can't win as long as this legitimacy thing is is going on. Like I just want out. And I thought, yeah, fair play. Um, yeah. Did you? I thought anything. Anytime Damon puts his 
his murder cloak on. It's a great <laughs> cloak, isn't it? Cloak. It's a great Yeah. Cloak. Anytime he puts that on, I'm like, shit is about to go yeah. down. This is going to be it's good. Like, you know, it's like a really bad that. disguise, isn't it? It's just like, you know, when Robin Hood, <laughs> you know, when Robin Hood kind of like puts on the, the, the kind of like old hag's cloak to kind of go begging in the cartoon. Yeah. It's just like yeah, when you yeah, see yeah, a Robin Hood, mate. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like a celebrity with a hat or the cap on. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. <laughs> oh, you can't recognise me. Leonardo DiCaprio in Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. He said, yeah. he said that having always wearing a cap but that's because i'm bald and i've got stupid hair um but did, here's a little thing for the funeral did uh, not funeral the wedding uh between rhaenyra and damon did you clock who one of the the maester was who stood right there? so th- i mean I, I was gonna bring this up i think i've just sussed yeah. it. it was phil daniels right yeah yeah the legend that is phil effing daniels i saw him in the i saw him in the credits and i was like shit where was where's was, so that he's in it is he just in it for that episode do we know or is he now is he now a maester that's going to be brought well, forward I, I think if you're getting phil phil fucking daniels on board i think he's probably going to get a bit busier good that's what we like to Ooh. hear he's just a oh man he sometimes feeds the dragons too <laughs> hey, very good Jamie. very good he's here all week try the veal <laughs> wow <laughs> chris that was a reference to park life by blur which i think was released probably the year before you were born you know oh God. sometimes oh, the uh, yeah. pigeons and the sparrows too gives me an enormous sense of well-being you must have heard that line come on <laughs> I have, but I'm just trying but to put it So Phil Daniels is the guy that sing, sings that in Park Life. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, the guy from Park Life... Is Phil uh, Daniels. ...oversaw the yes, wedding. Yes, correct. Well, he was stood at the side with the children. Right, right. An accessory to the the Targaryen on Targaryen action. Correct. Essentially. Correct. That's why, that's so weird. <laughs> yeah, that would have got, that really did go right over my head as a, as an, a dangerously young person. Um, Disgusting. I, I'm Absolutely just, disgusting. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> how much? How much in the writing? I don't know if you've ever spoke to Miguel or to to Ryan about about that side of it during it. Do they go back and and replant those seeds? You know how 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 linearly do they write the episodes? Do you think? Do you think after a while they go? Actually, what we need is a little exchange between Viserys and 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 Aegon to kind of like to just to just to reinforce that. Let's go and put that in episode seven, and and because that will foreshadow. Did you ever have a conversation like that with them? Yeah, quite a few. I'm I'm pretty uh, chatty with quite a few of the writers on it. And they are balls deep in in writing at the moment, but they spend a long time around that table discussing outlines of episodes, outlines of series. They each go away, write those episodes, and they come back and then go through that linear of how they then tie in each of those individual stories throughout. What I found fascinating is when we shot, there would be like, I mean, I can't speak for maybe Paddy, Matt, Millie, Emily, top five or six in the cast. I mean, they had some some line changes, but we never, we didn't often get big scene changes that were sort of thrown in, the, the new scenes were chucked in because they thought, oh, we need a bit of this, we need a bit of that. Sometimes there'd be like an odd line or maybe an odd shot. They thought, oh, you know what, we need to pick up the narrative of Ergon here or, you know, okay. that would often happen yeah, yeah. in the room when we're shooting. But they're, they're, those scripts arrive, they're pretty much, pretty much word done. for word how it comes out. And I, I was given the scripts, I don't know, maybe uh, April or May, maybe May of 21. And not much of them changed until I finished shooting in the following wow. February. That's confidence for you. Isn't yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Is this the point of no return for Alison? What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think it is. You know, they're flying their flags at this point, right? They're, they're digging in, doubling down. Last episode, 
Rhaenyra said, why don't we marry one of my sons to your daughter, Helena? But she said, we'll think about, and we found out in this episode that Alicent's marrying her son to her daughter. Aegon is marrying Helena to kind of strengthen the line, I think, but also to prevent uh, Rhaenyra sort of marrying into the family. And I think, yeah, I think it's the point of no return because she's doubled down. And I think the reason she's able to get away with behaving like this is, as we said earlier, Viserys is still the king. He is weaker than he's ever been. Aegon is standing up to his father. I think there's a real, like, turning point coming. And I think she's going to have to double down on this because it's it's kill or be killed or conquer yeah. or be conquered. It's something like that. And I think it's it's really hitting she's a boiling point now. very few allies. In fact, she's only got two allies from what we can see. Laris is, is one of them. And then yeah. someone who made a welcome return, maybe, maybe not for Viserys, but certainly for... Um, certainly for the audience uh, uh, Otto Hightower came back as Hand of the King and seeing as we've got previous Hand of the King the, the, the kind of interim Hand of the King with us 10 years mate you did 10 years actually you did 10 years 10 years is interim? not shabby 10 years is not too no, shabby 10 years <laughs> was, uh, I lost my hair in that job <laughs> I lost a part of blood mate give us a break yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we thought that this week's this week's wisdom would be all about uh, Hand of the King so if you'll excuse me for one second. The Hand of the King is chief advisor to the Lord of the Seven Kingdoms and is the executor of the King's commands. The Hand's typically seen as the second most powerful man in the realm. However, many Hands have had the reputation of being the true power behind the throne. Many see it as a challenging role with great responsibility. A popular saying goes, what the king dreams, the hand builds. That's a good saying. But the lowborn version is much more colourful. The king shits, and the hand wipes. That ever happened, Gavin? Maybe off camera. Mm. Maybe off. Well, is it, Viserys only got one hand, remember? So, you know, if he was steadying himself, maybe you were there with the Andrex. Uh, the hand's duties include commanding the king's armies, drafting laws, dispensing justice, and generally managing the day-to-day running of the kingdom. The hand also sits on the small council and will run the council if the king isn't present. The hand may also act on behalf of the king if he's indisposed and even sit on the Iron Throne while doing so. The badge of office always includes a hand and each appointee can design his own. Now, during the conquest, King Aegon I Targaryen proclaimed his half-brother, Oris Baratheon, to be my shield, my stalwart, my strong right hand. Because of Aegon's description, Oris is regarded to have been the first hand of the king. In the ultimate irony, Oris resigned after losing a hand in the First Dornish War. Oops. Many hands have achieved greatness. Lord Osmond Strong was the hand that oversaw construction of the walls of King's Landing, and Lord Roger Baratheon was seen as the true power behind the throne while serving under King Jaharis. But for other hands, the role's been a poison chalice. King Maegor the Cruel executed his hand and own father-in-law, Lord Lucas Haraway, and his entire family after his daughter, Queen Alice Haraway, was accused of infidelity. Infidelity seems like quite a tame thing to be accused of in Westeros, but there we go. Uh, Sir Lionel Strong served King Viserys Targaryen wisely and with honour for over ten years, as you rightly said, Gavin, before being tragically burned with his son Harwin at the recent fire in Harrenhal. The fire was blamed on the curse of Harrenhal, but other non-mystical suspects have been rumoured, but as of yet the true culprit has not been identified. Sir Otto Hightower now steps back into the position he formerly held to once again serve the ailing King Viserys. Whether or not Viserys will be the final king that Otto serves, only time will tell. And yes, we're ending it. I'm saying only time will tell. Moustache twiddling. (laughs) How does that feel? A good line, Hand of the King is a good 
position to have, isn't it, in Westeros? It's pretty... I can't think of a... Um, of a kind of modern day equivalent, certainly not in today's government. Uh, it's, it's, but it's, you're, put, you're the puppet master pretty much, aren't you? Yeah. And I think during a time where a king and, I mean, you can see it when they, well, when Lionel and um, Viserys are watching the grandchildren, you can see that these two people have now become friends. Yeah. You know, they've mm. become quite pally and they trust each other. There was no, Lionel, had no agenda. I think everything changes when a hand has an, his own agenda mm. or their own agenda. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, that's when it becomes blurry. But they have to be. They, uh, they have to come close, don't they? Because they ha- because you know everything is exposed. From you know we saw the only person that really knew how ill Viserys was at the beginning was Otto. You know he knew about Damon and and uh, Rhaenyra early on and had to have. The, yeah, you're the one that has to have the awkward conversations, right? Yeah. Now. Otto's back, and there was always a, yeah. Sorry, mate. Uh, whilst whilst you were still scabbing over, he was already there putting the brooch back on his cloak. <laughs> um, he now he was always quite a tricky character to work out. He seemed to be relatively noble. He certainly you know we we knew that he was very keen on Alicent and and Viserys marrying. Wear your mother's dress uh, was the, was the classic was the classic line from. Oh, from just, yeah. Yeah. Stick on that dress with his head down, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Beautiful choice from Reese. Right, wear your mother's yeah, dress. Lovely, and um, so we knew that there was a bit of there was a sadistic side to him, but not until he visited Alicent, where you thought he was going to give her the mother of all bollockings, and in fact, it was just like you're on the right course. You have impressed me. You've, sh- I never, I never knew you had it in you. This is the way to go. Was like, it was a bit of a kind of a, holy, whoa, okay, holy shit. This is, this is new ground. What did you think to that, Chris? Yeah. I thought he said something to her, which was like, I, yeah, I didn't know you were mm. capable of this. So I didn't know you had this in you. And she showed a side of her that he maybe didn't even yeah. know was there, which possibly sort of is why he married her into the family just to sort of like use her a little bit and now maybe sees that she's a, a player in the game in her own right and she'd actually be yeah, quite yeah. good at this. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it was really fascinating to see. I mean, I, I would love to see more of Reese because I just think he's such a wonderful actor and he's not, Otto has not been in a lot this show. He's kind of been around. We haven't got a lot of time with him. So for quite a few weeks, I've been saying, you know, I think he's genuinely quite a good person and I sort of stand by that in a way. But since he's become a grandfather... What do you mean you stand by like, it? He, well, what, he's like looking out for... Well, okay, here, let, me just, <laughs> let me just clarify. So far, he's been looking out for number one, which yeah. is what everyone does. What I think has changed is that he's now got grandchildren who are, you know, in line to... He's, got, he's got actual skin and so Now I think there's a sense of him being a little bit more manipulative. Not that he wasn't before, but I think, again, it's like these people who aren't Targaryens... In my 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 sort of take on it anyway is that they're sort of like very powerless to fight against these like superpowers. And now there's a sense that he's kind of in his children are kind of part Targaryen. And I think he's suddenly like, actually, I can swing this back towards me. And I think we're starting to see him potentially like counseling his daughter on how to sort of be a bit of a schemer in her own right. That might have been happening during the time jump or since he came back between episode six and this one. But I think it's really cool to see Alison being a bit of a schemer. I think it's a, it sort of suits her in a way, actually. Well, I was just going to say to what um, Chris was saying uh, about Otto's desire and is it a personal one. 
in episode three, there's this brilliant scene between him and his brother, who's actually the the lord, the older brother of the Hightower family. Uh-huh. And he says to him, look, you've, you've got a son who's a Hightower, and he fundamentally could be the king. He's the firstborn boy. So a Hightower can be king. And I think, for me, I think there's a shift. It's like, holy shit, yeah. Because the Hightowers right. were one of the great families of Westeros. Yeah. Old Town was still seen as probably the greater of the two between mm. King's Landing mm. and um, Old Town. And I wonder whether how much of it is personal. You're right, there's certainly an investment because there's his own blood and flesh, but how much of it is to do with this fucking thing that men are obsessed with legacy, which called us banged on about. Yeah. So there, I think there's a dual motive maybe going in there now. Yeah, I mean, you know, Alison was on the brink. She was remorseful. She was she she was like, I've, I've ruined this. I've disgraced myself. I've ruined Aegon's claim. It was yeah. Otto that that pulled her back from that and said, no, you know, his, 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 his line was, uh, we play an ugly game. And now for the first time, I see you have the determination to win it. And then gives her this amazing lesson in politics, sacrifice, firepower. Vagar on our size is worth a thousand eyes. What, which is just like fucking great line. Um, and it's true. The high towers now have a dragon. Absolutely. That is something. And not only a dragon, the biggest, oldest dragon. Uh, that is pretty terrifying, isn't it? And a note as, you know, Connor is the uh, is the oracle of all things House of Dragon and gets me out of more scrapes than than anyone on anyone watching Thronecast will ever know. Um, Helena predicted that Aemon would lose an eye but gain a dragon. Is she a dreamer? In the last, that was in the last episode. Is she a right? dreamer? In six. And that's yeah. what, you know, and we've we've spoken a, a brief time. And Gavin, I'm I'm sure you know this, but and so no spoilers. But the, and I've mentioned this a few times. Is the one I guess the one element of of Thrones world the thrones universe that i've been missing is the magic element is that is the warging is the is the is the brand is the three-eyed raven the you know the the all of those kind of those little things i really kind of like loved those because it gave it, it didn't matter then in terms of war it didn't matter how strong you are if 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 someone can warg or if someone knows or has visions or if there's a witch or a smoke baby or whatnot what do you think? Is could could Helena be a dreamer? Is she is she on? Does she have possess those skills? Is it the first time we're going to see that? What do you think, Gavin? Is that am I am I teasing the spoiler out of you too much there? Yeah, you definitely. Okay, are. fine. There we go. <laughs> oh. there's not, there's not, um, there's, I, to be fair, there is only so much I know of of what's going on in the future. But I agree with you. There is a certain amount of that magic. I want to come. Yeah. I hope it will come. Yeah, yeah. It might come. It might not come. It has to, though. It, it exists in, in, you know, the wall is there. The, the children of the forest are there somewhere. The, the, the people are warging and, and the three-eyed raven's still there somewhere. You know, all of these things are in the world. We just haven't bumped into them yet. But the beautiful thing about this world is that slow burn. You know, Mm. it's been a slow burn to get us to the point of now we see a civil war about to start. It's taken us seven episodes to get there. Will it take us seven episodes to get to magic again? Will it, not seven episodes, seven series, who knows? I mean, I I have no idea how, what they've got lined up or thinking of in the future with other series, but there is definitely so much food to be munched on. Yeah, yeah. There is a very uh, exciting theory that I saw on uh, Twitter uh, Jamie mentioning warging. Uh, so in episode six, there was a couple of times where, well, we've seen them in a few episodes, these rats scuttling. Oh yeah, someone mentioned this, didn't bedrooms. they to us on, um, 
There is a theory that I saw online that is that Laris strong, because how strong are one of the oldest families and where they're from in Westeros, there is a lot of weirwood trees and that sort of thing, is that Laris is able to walk and he walks into the rats in the castle to get dirt on people, which is a little out there. But isn't that, because I keep seeing these rats and I'm like, you know, Gavin said this, not a shot yeah. is wasted. I'm there like, was also a shot. With all these rats. The spider being hidden in the oyster shell as well was a curious kind of... That's what Hel- yeah, Helena said. That, they they right? did that. You saw them doing that at the beginning. Uh, at the wake, Helena, yeah. I think, was hiding a, a spider in an oyster shell. So, you know, so yeah. again, you know, she predicted Eamon losing Iron Gate. Was she casting a spell? Was she doing something, you know... Yeah, there's something about her that's very intriguing. Because she crushed the spider, didn't she? I think, she she, yeah, it. she kind of put the spider in, then closed the shell on top of it. I don't know whether it was crushed or yeah. just... But yeah, th- like you say, not a shot wasted. So that clearly means something to someone, somewhere. Mm. Uh, loved it. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We'll, um, we'll, go, we'll go through. We've had so many kind of um, people write in and comment, and we always forget to kind of say, first of all, to say thank you, uh, but also to kind of give a shout out to your predictions and your thoughts. Chris mentioned one there about the rat, about uh, potentially about Laris uh, being a warg. And, and people have had similar thoughts as well. Uh, so uh, Matt Scott, who actually uh, used to work on and Thronecast actually is an editor. This is how much people that work on Thronecast love Thrones, is that they, they write into the podcast years later. So thanks, Matt, uh, saying, loving, loving house. Oh, I'm not going to get Steve Wright and, and read out all the compliments. But he said, <laughs> here's a speculative shout. Wonder if a younger Melisandre will make an appearance in this series. She's potentially the only Game of Thrones character old enough to. It'd be cool, wouldn't it? I think she's from somewhere east, like Ashai or somewhere, maybe a triarchy-related sorcerer. So yeah, he's right. You know, Melisandre's knocking around somewhere lisa fury said i can't handle another time jump well lisa we think there's another one next week (laughs) (laughs) apparently the last one apparently the last one there was an interview with ryan about season two on variety and he said there's no time jump right which leads us to think the so we're going to see adult Aegon and amond and 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 or like late like yeah like late teens early yeah i guess yeah. But it's probably with the cast that will take it forward for for seasons ahead, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so just just sit tight, Lisa. You'll be you'll be through it. You'll be through it. <laughs> someone also told me this morning that the you know, we talked about the intro most weeks, that when someone dies in the show, in the intro, their sigil gets flooded with blood. Ah. So Lena, her sigil, hers and Matt, you know, because they sort of branch out where yeah. their kids are is kind of filled with blood. So I think when we have a jump in next week, when people have grown up and there might be more kids or that, you know, there'll be even yeah. more. I mean, I find it impossible to keep track yeah, of that yeah, intro, yeah. but there is stuff there if you can pay attention. I think the confusing thing is, is because in Thrones, it was all just houses. Whereas actually with mm. this one, it's actually individuals. And and I think it's quite difficult yeah. to know. Everyone's got their own like trademark moniker or kind of like logo. And their brand, the yeah, branding's a bit similar tricky. for me. It's quite tricky to keep a, keep a cap yeah. on. Good idea. Uh, Claire Mullins on YouTube said, uh, the way Laris picked a flower when he said to Alison, I know you'll reward me. I took that to mean that once the king is dead, they'll marry. That's a good theory. That is juicy. Yeah. Um, Lives Viola, good name. I uh, love the show. Oh, no, I've done it. Sorry. Uh, Prince Damon, the rogue prince, is perfect. <laughs> My favourite character, Matt Smith, is just superb. I think I don't think you'll find many people uh, disagreeing with you there. What else have we had? So Davina Allison on, um, on Twitter. 
So started listening to Dragoncast about people who we think we shouldn't be rooting for but are and thinking about how many parents are now regretting calling their child Khaleesi because they didn't wait until the end of Game of Thrones. So if you've just called your if you sure. called your kid Laris after after episode one, you know, I think you know, mm. there's gonna be a few Ottos uh who are gonna get get kicked in in the playground in about yeah. fifteen years' time. Stay safe, stay strong, stay with Lionel. Exactly. Blair, strong, yeah. you know, I mean, whichever, you know, both. Exactly. exactly. Right. You know what we need to do now? We need to look ahead at yet another time jump. Let's all take a moment to sit back and wash ourselves in uh, next week's teaser for episode eight of House of the Dragon. As hand, I speak with the king's voice on this and all other matters. Tomorrow, the high towers land their first blow. Those vipers rule in my father's name. To King's Landing, then. The sea snake has taken a grave wound in battle in the stepstones. Who will take the driftwood throne? The crown cannot stand strong if the house of the dragon remains divided. This is a matter of blood, not ambition. This is a trap. Nephews? The threat of war looms. Holy shit, I know I say that every time. Uh, it looks like it's going to be quite sad, I think. Clearly, Viserys uh, is 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 gone. Uh, hopefully, we hopefully he gets a fitting goodbye. Sounds like Corlys is not looking too too uh, mm. strong either. Looks like so. They t- we talk about war. Presumably, that's between the Valarians and Targaryens. By the sounds of it, there is claims going everywhere. There was a. I'm sure I saw a, a shot of the murder cloak as well at one point. I saw the murder cloak and yeah. thought, hell yeah. What do we make of that? Yeah. I mean, Gavin, you're you're exempt from discussing this because you've read the script. You know exactly what's going on, uh, Chris. So a couple of things. Yeah, Viserys's voice is in there. Very, but we saw Alicent, yeah. Alicent, and Otto both sitting on the throne. Yeah. Rhaenyra said, "The Greens have dealt, or the High Towers have dealt the first blow." So I think they're probably governing in his stead, which is obviously causing all kinds of problems. Um, and yeah, that looked like. Corliss's brother, mm. I think his name is something like Vraymond or something, who was that was sort of there with them, Vaymond, according to producer Connor. Uh, so yeah, obviously there's there's talks about who who gets Driftmark, um, I suppose, if if he's kind of on his last legs. Just a real sense of it all about to kick off. I also saw a dragon egg. Yeah. That was worth noting. So that was the, that would be the dragon egg that they were waiting for for one of the children, right? I presume so, but then it has I don't know how long they take to hatch. I don't know, it's like well, if you're, if you're Daenerys' there, dragons, centuries. Just, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I thought it looked great. It's really, you know, Rhaenyra and Daemon are returning to King's Landing. Uh, obviously, some time has passed. Interesting thing I want to note about the kids, Aemond with the eye patch has now got long yeah. hair. Aegon has had it cut? with two good eyes. 2020 vision Aegon, <laughs> as he's known has short hair now, which is a bit of a switcheroo. Yeah. But, you know. I do like the old, uh, the, the, the different Targaryen bobs. That's for sure. Yeah. But I do think that, that it's hard to kind of like, I just want to see like a chart of the ages of them. And yeah. like who's. But it's kind of producer Connor's pointed out. Aegon looked way younger than young Aegon. Yeah. Yeah. 
A, the guy with long hair, Eamon, yeah. looks, looks about 35. Yeah, um, yeah that, so, I don't think that's actually the case, though. I think there is, off the top of my head, I think there is quite a big age difference between the two of them. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, wow. Right. In in real life. Yeah. The kids the kids look great, though. I thought the um, Jason Luke, Rhaenyra's kids, yeah. um, obviously a lot grown up. And I suppose Joffrey will be quite quite a bit older. We might see him now. It doesn't matter what show it is or anything. An eye patch just looks fucking boss, doesn't it? It just looks <laughs> it really does. nails. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I'm just thinking, though, jo- Joff- baby Joffrey was like the only person not invited to that funeral in episode seven. Well, it's, like, it's a bit like uh, William and Kate not inviting their youngest to the Queen's funeral because he kind of kicked off the near yeah. the coronation, started pulling faces. Be, I mean, He'd be better behaved than... Viserys looking like spoiled yeah, milk. That's true. He managed to get out there. <laughs> oh dear. That's, sorry, that's Paddy. not me. That's brilliant. Paddy, if you're listening, I apologize. <laughs> it does look like he moisturizes just using cold ready brick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Porridge oh, um, anyway, listen. Yeah, it looks it looks great. He had to get in the chair about half four in the morning for that. I bet he did. <laughs> Oh my god! I bet, I bet just getting up at half four in the morning gets you halfway there, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, Gavin, thank you so so much for coming on, mate. It's been an absolute honour and a privilege to get like your insight and your opinions, and and I just love speaking to people that have been on and been in the show and have got as much passion and kind of and love for the 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 universe as, as you, as, as we all have, you know, it, you know, it's not always the case. So it's a delight when, uh, when we meet someone like you, buddy. Oh, cheers. Thanks very much. That's very kind of you to say. And to be fair, it didn't used to be like that. It's, it's grown. It really has grown. I'd watched the first five series of Thrones and I was kind of indifferent to it. I liked it. I thought it was brilliantly done, yeah. but I hadn't really fallen in love with the world. And then when I got the job and went back and watched another 80 hours worth of television, I think it really started capturing my imagination and then turning up to film and just seeing thousands of people work on it so hard with so much love and commitment from every single department. It just rekindles your own kind of like, actually, this is really pretty special. Yeah, what a privilege to to speak to you and, and to be on the on the periphery of it. So thanks, and, thanks for having and me. We, we will be we'll be keeping a close eye on, on what you're up to next. Anything on the horizon and that you're allowed to share? Uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Uh... <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm in the new Magic Mike film. Yes, <laughs> yeah, this is I, about as far from typecasting as uh, yeah. as you can I get. Don't, I don't strip which is a shame. I don't dance, which is a tragedy. Uh, so I'm, I'm in that. I think that comes out next year at some point. Uh, I've just Brilliant. finished filming something for Apple TV. I'm in The Polin, the Ridley Scott film for a flash in the pan. Wow. That comes out next year at some point. Uh, nice thing on the BBC. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, yeah, doing a play at the National over Christmas as well. Which is oh, hey, oh, lovely. Well, that, that's only down the road. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely come down for that, Gavin. Uh, Dragoncast Night Out. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. That'd be fab. Yeah. It's a very good bar. <laughs> uh, Gavin, thanks so much. Chris, thank you as always. Uh, see, you ne- see you next week for, uh, I mean what again is going to be a whole lot to unpack you know uh, we've broken our our record make no apologies uh, and thanks so much for listening don't forget to like and subscribe let us know your theories down below on the youtube comments or get in touch with us at dragoncast pod or you know all the usual places we love hearing from you it really makes a difference until next time drakaris 
Don't forget House of the Dragon airs exclusively on Sky Atlantic at 2am every Monday, then repeats that same evening at 10. You can also get it on demand via now. If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just head over to Twitter at DragonCast underscore pod or email DragonCast at DaftDoris.com and leave us your Easter eggs, predictions and thoughts on the show. You can also watch this episode over on our YouTube channel. Just search for DragonCast Jamie East. Any support, whether it's a follow, a share, a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated. DragonCast is hosted by me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel, produced by Connor Driscoll, edited by Buddy Peace, and is a Daft Doris production. Dracaris. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.